This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, an author, and an executive coach. And today, I am delighted to welcome a kindred spirit, Lori Maison, to the show. Lori will discuss the outdated leadership practices we all need to let go of as we navigate the current world of work. Lori, welcome. Thank you, Caroline. Happy to be here. Oh my gosh, you are my people. We were just chatting about that before the show started. And I love your book. I love your leadership philosophy. And my goodness, has leadership changed over the decades? You know, you oh, talk. Oh, it really has. Yeah. You know, you, you write a bit about how we started with command and control, which really was a military concept. And it, and it worked on the battlefield. And I'm sure it still does. But things have really changed in the world of work. And you talked about a leadership revolution. So tell me a little bit more about that and why we need that. Oh, gosh, we need that because for organizations and their leader development, they are still using approaches and theories and models from the last century. And those models and approaches were not designed for the current work environment where it's very complex, very diverse, constantly changing. It was designed for a much more homogenous, you know, everyone in the office, non-technology environment where the majority of the people in leadership roles were men. Mm. And actually in the first 10, 12 years of my coaching a profession, I only coached men. And that was because only men were in the upper leadership roles. Wow. Life has changed. And happily, many more women are in leadership roles. So we're, we're moving the needle slowly, but surely. But slowly, but getting there. Yeah. Clearly, we still have room to grow there. Lori, I want to pull this thread because you're right. So many companies actually had leadership development or management training programs. And those are the thing of the past. Happily, you yeah. and I as executive coaches can get in there and roll up our sleeves with clients and help them navigate this journey. But I also see a, a lack. It used to be that people had mentors in their organization mm. who would help grow and develop them. How did we mm -hmm. lose that? Uh, how did we lose it? I am not sure because actually even in the last century, large enterprise had mentoring. I actually think it was this whole shift um, of perspective around managers that the manager was no longer like responsible for the development of their employees. Mm. So say back in the 70s, 80s, even 90s, large organizations hired employees right out of their education and kept them until retirement. And it was like a 20 or 30 year leader development process where it was the leaders in the organization's job to develop their employees. Then that all shifted. We, our mindset went to employees are responsible for their own career path. And so a lot of that support fell away. What's really nice, though, is there actually is a resurgence in mentoring and sounding board. We offer software not just for deploying coaching, but also for mentoring. And we're starting to see mentoring usage really pick up 
and with some twists with this idea of sponsorship where mm. more senior people in the organizations really sponsor and champion the up-and-coming leaders. We've also seen this interesting thing, which is reverse mentoring, where younger people are mentoring older people in, you know, their generation's thinking. Because one thing that's really changed, we have like five generations in the workforce right now, and they all think very differently. I love the concept of reverse mentoring. And I will tell you, as a Gen X professional, I have learned so much from younger colleagues. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, you mentioned earlier that leadership training used to really focus on skills. And mm-hmm. you write about this. You said, look, the skills are important, but what about learning how to adapt and be prepared for the unknown? And my goodness, COVID is certainly the most recent example of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I you know, the whole focus on skill development really started with like OSHA training back in the 70s. Mm. Uh, I, I've been kind of shocked that it's hung on this long. I, you know, new words like upskilling, reskilling. It still is just the basic level of still skill acquisition which is needed, not not dissing that at all, but it's only the first step. And we've known literally for 30 years that the transfer of learning from skill training is very low. Only one in 10 participants in skill training transfer anything, anything to their daily work life. So we clearly need more personalized, interactive, contextually driven um, kinds of development. And because the environment's gotten so much more complex, we need to have the help for folks in how to combine skills to create capabilities, how to utilize those capabilities in these ever-changing VUCA environments and not just in a static you have a skill, here's the generalized way to use it. And I'm so grateful that you said VUCA. I want to spell out that acronym for people that may not know. So volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. That's quite an acronym. And my goodness, I think we were all forced to learn how to deal with ambiguity as a result of the pandemic because we didn't know what was coming. So that was a, a new muscle to flex. But let's dig a little deeper, uh, Lori. You you said that complex skills in different scenarios help make leaders exceptional. So can you give some examples? Because we've got millions of people listening around the world, and they're probably saying, okay, so what is it that I need to hone and sharpen? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny because if if basic skill training made exceptional leaders, we would all be in a very different place. So we know skill training can make decent leaders, but how do you move from good to exceptional? And we think it has to do with sets of capabilities like vision setting, decision-making skills, conflict management, those kinds of things, strategic thinking, but also on sets of capacities. And one of my favorite uh, capacities is pattern recognition. So in an environment where things are constantly changing, being able to see the recurring patterns 
can be very useful for an employee or a leader in an organization. And then evaluating those patterns. Is this a pattern that is helping us advance, that's helping us be successful? Or is this a pattern that maybe we've done for a long time that is actually limiting us? And it's sort of taking that concept that coaches provide all the time of identifying and working with limiting patterns to uh, the work environment and looking at it through a little bit of a larger lens. Like human beings, we have a very habituating brain and we like to do the same things over and over again. And so then if you can notice those patterns and then alter those patterns, you can actually have a very exceptional impact. So Lori, let's break that down because again, on a high level, I know that our listeners are tracking, but can you give an example in real life, you know, no names, right? We want to honor privacy, but maybe an example of how this works, pattern recognition. Yes. So I'll give some individual examples um, because I think they're the easiest to see, but they're certainly also organizational examples as well. So I'll tell you a story. It's actually in the book. And this was a coaching uh, client who kept limiting themselves by saying the same phrase over and over, first to themselves and then out loud. And that phrase was, um, I'll have to pay the piper. Now, this is kind of like an old fashioned phrase, but to this person, it meant, you know, I'm going to fail later. I'm going to have to pay the price for this choice that I'm making. And what happened was I heard this this person saying this phrase like five, six times in say half an hour. And when I identified it to him, he um, was one, surprised. But two, he said, oh, I don't need to say that. So I challenged him to not say that phrase because that's a mental pattern that he was creating. And he went away and came back the next week and was like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't not say that phrase. (laughs) I said it so many times. He said, I was shocked how many times I said it. And he said, even when I stopped saying it, I could hear it running in my head. And it took him a couple of weeks to get that phrase out of his mind. And when it was out, he just skyrocketed. He no longer was using a mental pattern to stop himself from trying something new or taking a risk or making a decision. Oh, that's so a great I, example. Yeah, and I think organizations have the same thing. Like an example was around uh, 2010, organizations started getting rid of the standard old performance evaluations especially ranked performance evaluations. Those were designed in the last century and they don't really work anymore. And then around 2015, they didn't know what else to do. So they started doing those again, even though they know the time cost of those is extensive and the value is low. It was a pattern. So they just picked up that pattern again, even after they tried to drop it. So this pattern recognition capacity is so important for individual and organizational success. Lori, we'll be right back after a quick break. (music) 
I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. Hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, Lori, I am so grateful for the clarity on pattern recognition. And, and I want to share some things that are being written about and talked about in the leadership space. You know, we're talking about the evolution of leadership qualities. And today, it's, it's fashionable. It is uh, something that people talk about having humility checking your ego at the door, being authentic, and being vulnerable. What are your thoughts about that for the modern day leader? (laughs) Okay, well, I might be a little bit um, controversial about this Um, on one front. Authenticity, 100%. Like one of the problems in the past is uh, all these leadership theories had like, here's five qualities you should have as a leader. Well, maybe some of them were good for some people, but they weren't good for everybody. So that authentic approach to leadership or interaction, I think is really important. And and remember, those leadership theories were all based on male leadership, not female leadership. Right. So finding your own style and approach, I think, is really critical. I am not a fan of the word vulnerability. Mm. I think women have been um, stereotyped as too vulnerable already. So if we're going to say men should show some vulnerability, yes, I would agree with that in some cases. Um, But for women, I think vulnerability is perceived as less power. So I have this concept that I call power matching. And the idea is, and it's gender neutral, the idea is you match the power of the people that you're interacting with. You don't underpower them and you don't overpower them. So whether that person is reporting to you or supporting you or a peer, or your boss, or your executive leader, the idea is you just match their power and interact with them on that level. And it's worked for me personally when I was one of the only female coaches working in uh, Fortune 100 C-suite, and I've just seen it work for virtually everybody. 
And the vulnerability idea is perceived, at least in the U.S. society, as a less powerful stance. Hey, thank you for being really honest about that. I'm grateful because you're you're bucking a trend and that's okay. I, I value and respect your point of view and I really appreciate power matching. That makes absolute sense to me. Yeah. So let's talk about diversity in the workplace. You know, it's really exploding these DEI roles. They're part of value, mission, vision statements. Those are all great things when they're done with authenticity and intentionality. Sometimes it's just on the website and it's not actually how the company lives and and walks the walk. But in most organizations, right, they're striving for that, which means that the end result is we have the opportunity for more diverse leaders. So what do we need to be aware of when we're thinking about how to train and develop people with so many different ways to define diversity? Yeah, I really think there isn't one way to be an exceptional leader. So when people draw on their own history and their own background and their own uniqueness to create their own personal style of leadership, I think that works really well. And then the key is that that style is molded to fit in the context that they are operating in. So an example would be someone who is very successful in one company moves to another company and now they're no longer successful because there's a different culture, a different approach to leadership. So although you want to find your own unique style, then you have to modify that style or flex that style, we say, depending on the context that you're operating in. And that can apply to anybody. It doesn't matter the background or skin color or any of the uniqueness of that individual. Lori, it's interesting. I, I'm hearkening back to Peter Drucker, who is no longer on this planet, but he, he wrote very clearly that there are certain things that leaders should stop doing. And much of his teaching and writing was about what not to do as a leader. You write about all too common bad habits that limit leadership growth. Tell us about that. Interesting. Well, uh, there is a lot of bad habits that leaders have. I'll, I'll name one of them right now, which is this assumption that everybody else thinks and operates like you. Um, it's a kind of an egocentric view. And ironically, the, the higher up the corporate ladder people go, the more egocentric they tend to get. They're their sort of external feedback gets smaller. So they start to almost believe their own story a little bit more. But the reality is most people don't think like you. They don't operate like you. They don't use time like you. They don't make decisions like you. Their values might not be the same. And the goal is not to treat people how you want to be treated. The goal is really to treat people how they want to be treated. And that is truly respect. And it takes a lot of work then to try to identify how those other people want to be treated. It's a very, very easy assumption to think other people want to be treated the way we want to be treated. 
especially in the light of diversity. Laura, you know, it's such an interesting time. The buzz is all about artificial intelligence and and the fear is that it's going to be taking over jobs done by humans. I still personally believe humans will always have a place in the workforce and humans can do things that computers can't. However, I'd love your take about why human-to-human development is just so critical. Um, I'm a big fan of human-to-human development. I think that humans pick up additional factors that AI is never going to be able to pick up. Um, And I actually have some history in virtual reality as a a methodology for therapy for vets with PTSD. And there can be some benefits for that. But for development purposes, I just can't see how the human-to-human development can be bettered by AI. I think AI can support human development. Because again, it's very good at looking for patterns. So it could help, say, coaches or leader development folks look for patterns in organizations and individuals and be able to surface those. But helping to change those patterns and change thinking and then adding new behaviors that match that new thinking that then stick over time, um, I think that's a purely human activity. So Lori, as as we wrap, I want to honor your extraordinary career. You've been an executive coach for 30 years. Are there some nuggets or some some ideas that you want to share with this global audience that you've learned as a coach that will help others really become exceptional leaders? You know, I think one of the keys to this is something that's so very basic which is identifying what it is you really, really want. You individually, not what you think you should want, not what your organization is telling you you should want, not what society might be prompting you to want. Um, Having seen so many senior leaders, very successful, wealthy people, What's very interesting is people get to different levels in their life and find out they're not happy because this wasn't really what they wanted. They thought they wanted it. Someone told them they wanted it. Society, social media said this is what they should want. But the reality is when you do the hard work yourself of figuring out what do you individually really want, That's the way to get to a place of success. Well, I'm smiling ear to ear. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Lori, I've learned so much from you. I I love your new book. It's called Leadership Revolution, The Future of Developing Dynamic Leaders. And of course, it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But if you would be so kind, tell this global audience how they can continue to follow you after the show. Oh, sure. You can take a look at my organization. It's called Sounding Board. And you can go to the website soundingboardinc.com. And you can all also check me out on LinkedIn under Lori Maison. 
M-A-Z-A-N. Lori, what a joy to have you on the show. Thank you, and I wish you continued success. Thank you. My pleasure completely. Your Working Life is now available on all major podcast platforms, and I'd love to hear from you. Let me know how we're doing. You can find me at carolinedoubthiggins.com. And a special shout out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 16 countries around the world. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.